morning. Can you hear me? Good morning. Uh, the scripture reading for today comes from Luke chapter 6, verses 37 and 38, and it reads, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. And do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Give, and it shall be given, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. By, for by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. The word of God for the people of God. Lord, we thank you for all that you are doing in our lives. God, thank you for loving us in spite of us. Lord, open our eyes and our ears as you speak to our hearts today that we might be better for it. In Jesus' name, amen. It is really hard to read that verse in a different version than you hear all the time. I'm sorry, I digress. Now, th this particular portion of scripture is fairly familiar to most people. What we find in the, the, the verses and chapters previous to it is you find Jesus talking to the multitudes, to the people that have come uh, to hear this great prophet of God, as they, they said back then, to speak. But, but in this particular portion of Scripture, Jesus has pulled his followers, his, his students, his disciples together, and he begins to talk to them. And I believe that yet and still today in the Scripture, Jesus continues to talk to us. Amen. It, it, it simply says, do not judge and you won't be judged. Do not condemn and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. You will get good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over for the same measure you meet shall be measured unto you. He tells them, just like he's telling us, don't make uh, uh, assessments based on what you think you know about a person. He says, don't, don't, don't allow skin color to criminalize individuals. Don't allow political parties to generalize them. Don't, don't look at their beards. Don't look at their clothes. Don't look at their economic status. Don't look at the variety of things that, that, that society says should be important and make snap judgments. Don't lump people into boxes for your comfort. Because the reality of it is you may be disqualifying your next blessing. You may be overlooking the person or the thing that God has been, that God has sent specifically to you. You may be walking away from the greatest thing that, that God has, that, that gift that you've been praying for for years that, that God has sent in a package that you didn't expect it to come in. And thinking about this, I, I think about the, the story that I told a couple of weeks ago with the pastor that sat outside uh, of his new congregation and, and he looked like he was homeless. He smelled like he was homeless and people walked past him and ridiculed him and tried to shoo him off. But when it was time to recognize the new pastor, guess who showed up? I think about that, that, that story that is circulating on social media of that individual that grew up in a home that promoted uh, bigotry and racism, and now all of a sudden all the doctors they need look like the, the individuals they were told to hate, and they don't know how to, to put those two things together. I, I think about all the times in my life where uh, simply because of where I come from and what I look like, and, and, and even my, my way of speaking as a young man, people automatically automatically assume certain things about me that were never going to be true. 
You see, we can't close ourselves off to individuals that don't look like us, that don't sound like us, that don't grow up like us. We, we cannot uh, create those snap judgments because just, uh, as, just at the point in time in which we close ourselves off based on those snap judgments, we stop the flow of God's love through us to the world. Just at that time where we, where we say we can't because they are, we, 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 we pull ourselves back from the vision and the mission that God has put us here for at the point in which we refuse to love our neighbors. What really are we doing? Who really are we following? You see, judgments in my extensive experience <laughs> often come from a place of distraction. That might be a sermon for a different day, but we'll talk about it a little bit today. It is that, that pot calling the kettle black thing that my grandmother often talked about where we judge others so people don't see our stuff, where we, we cause an issue somewhere else so that there is no light shined on the issue that, that we ourselves possess. It is that thing that, that is mentioned in the scripture, if we continue to read, where we see the, the, the speck in our brother's eye, but we miss the log hanging out of ours. I know, another sermon another day. But I want to point out that unwarranted or unrighteous judgment does lead to condemnation. It leads to condemning. For instance, uh, in the Bible, it is believed that if you were poor, if you were uh, hungry, if, if you had health issues, that, that maybe just maybe God was mad at you and you had no right to the kingdom. But Jesus uh, comes in in, in this particular portion of scripture to proceed what we read today in verse 20 and says, I, I know that this is all that you believe and I know that, that the Pharisees have caused you to look at it this way, but blessed are you who are hungry now for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who weep now for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name for evil for the sake of the Son of Man. He says, you, you have to look at things differently. It's not uh, what people look like. It's not the snap judgments that you may have been taught to make, but it is, it, is, it is a look of love that I am calling you to that has to take you out of this place of judgment and condemnation. You see, uh, uh, God sees the heart while all we see is outward. And quite frankly, it is my belief that you can't condemn what God has blessed and not have blood on your hands. Therefore, it is safe and appropriate to always err on the side of love. Amen. It is safe and appropriate to always err on the side of love. And Jesus gave us examples of this time and time again in the scriptures. He, he, he and his disciples ate with those that were outcast and those that were perceived hopeless, those that were perceived uh, uh, to be wrong, those that, that were perceived to be in an, a group that was unsavable. Even when the Pharisees and the religious experts of the time condemned him for it, he ate with those tax collectors, he ate with those prostitutes, he ate with those individuals that the world had said are hopeless. 
in times where people were suffering with illness and, and, and death and, and the like, instead of condemning them based on the, the philosophy that, that the religious experts at the time embraced, he blessed them, he healed the sick, he raised the dead, he, he, he reconciled families, he brought people together, and he commands that we all follow his example and be merciful just as he was merciful, to be loving and just as he has been loving, reminding us that the world will know that we are his disciples, his students, that we belong to him, not by the words that we speak, but by the love that we show. So people of God, forgive, forbear, and love. For he declares in verse 38, Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Oh boy, now that is a clause. In this particular scripture, I wish I had, all right, I know I'm supposed to keep this jacket on so it doesn't wash out on the camera, but I'm moving it. So in this particular scripture, what, what, what it really points to is when people would come to the market, they would normally have uh, 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 garments that drape. And so they would pull it up and people would pour the grain into, I'm going to say like an apron like my grandmother would have. And what's funny about it is when they poured in the grain, it would fill up so much that even as they shook it to try to settle it, stuff would still fall off the sides. It would be a blessing that overflowed in such a way that you just couldn't control it. You just couldn't see it. It just was amazing. Now, the thing that I want you to see in that is this. As we look at how the marketplace works, they may have, we may buy that grain for, let's say, a nickel. I know it's not a nickel anymore. A, a nickel, but the, the seller bought it for two cents in order to be able to sell it to us for profit, right? And for the saints that have fallen on, on uh, 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 for the believers that have fallen on hard times and had to pawn stuff in the past, you may have spent $100 on a product that you had to pawn for 25 because there was a different standard between the seller and the buyer. You with me? The interesting thing about this particular portion of scripture is Jesus says there will be no difference in the standard. The, the standard will remain the same. And so I am telling you to give and to forgive and to do it at such a great magnitude. And, and the standard in which you set based on your giving and your forgiving, that standard is what you will receive. So you get to choose the standard. You can give much or you can give little. Now, uh, there are some pastors at this particular portion of scripture that would say, all right, so if you give a million dollars, praise the Lord, you'll get a million dollars. That is not my message today. My message is this. In loving someone else, there is going to come a point in time where you have to make a decision whether you will give sacrificially based on not just finances, but based on feelings, based on past hurts, based on a lot of different things. And in that moment, that gift of love to that person says something mighty. It, it speaks to the love of God in your life. It speaks to, to the care that you have given. And quite frankly, that cannot uh, go out and not come back. 
It, it, it cannot uh, go out and return void. So that standard that you give means something. It's not about dollars and cents. It's about more than that. So this brings me to my scripture, uh, my, my, script, my sermon title, Why? In this particular portion of our, our, our sermon series, we're, we're supposed to talk about uh, community and unity and, and being together. But quite frankly, there are so many things that divide us. And the question is, why? And this is the answer. This is a simple glass, small glass. Hopefully you can see it online. Don't have anything to cause contrast, but it's a little glass, maybe eight ounces. I wanted to find a big container that, that could, could, could fit the, the scale of what I was thinking, but they don't make it. So we're going to look at the ocean. The issue is the scales are not balanced. We want to give this much and receive this much. We want to judge this much, but be judged this much. We want to love this much, but receive this much. The issue is as we walk through life, we don't seek to balance the scales. We are perfectly fine with taking small when small benefits us and taking large when large benefits us, but, but, but denying that same opportunity to the people that we claim we love. Another analogy, my kid plays baseball, so I like baseball. What you'll find is some people are drafted on that first day of the draft. Yay, I'm a baseball player. And they play triple-A ball for three years. They play double-A ball for a couple of years. They make it to the big show, and they sit on the bench for a year. And then all of a sudden, they are at the plate. Now, we're not talking about Little League. We're not talking about hitting coaches. We're not talking about all that stuff. That has taken them 30 years to get to the plate. At their first at bat, they swing, and all of the things that they had prepared for come together. They hit the ball, and they get to third base. And for them, it's a mighty thing because it's taken so much work to get here. Lord, thank you so much for allowing me to get a hit this time. I'm standing on third base. I can go talk to the, the guys that are struggling and tell them there is hope. You can make it to the big show, and you can hit the ball. The problem is... There's somebody that's already standing on third base that at the beginning of the game just walked and stood there because their, 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 their family owned the team or uh, because of a variety of different things. And they look down at this person that just busted their butt to get there and says, what took you so long? One person is born on third and swear they hit a triple and the other has grinded all of their life to get to third and now are standing in a place where they should be joyous and they're confused because the person that should be happy for me, the person that should have helped me, left me by myself. And even though I got here, now there's an issue. In, in this particular uh, analogy, illustration, uh, what I want you to see is this. There is a fight that we as Christians should have for one another. 
an equitable fight, if you will, a fight that puts us on even playing field and helps each other out. And I'm not saying, uh, uh, I'm not talking today about uh, political stuff or social programs or money or any of that stuff. I'm saying as Christians, if we see our brothers and sisters fighting to get somewhere and we are there, let's help them get there. Let's share our knowledge. Let's share our sphere of influence. Let's, let's share uh, uh, our ability to stand in places that they can't stand and create systematic change for education, for, for whatever that, that issue is. Let, let us not look down on people because they haven't gotten there. Let's look for ways that we can love them straight to the place that God has called them to. The problem is... We're still looking for the proportion that benefits us instead of the proportion that benefits the whole. That is why we are so divided. Jesus goes on to say in, in the scriptures that, that old wine can't go in new wine skins. What he's really saying is that we have to wake up and get a new way of thinking we can't conform to the ways of the world, but we must be transformed by the ways of God. So the question that, that then, then comes is, how do we create an atmosphere that promotes unity and community within the body? Remember, Jesus is talking to his followers. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to us. So how do we promote a, an atmosphere where judges and felons can come and worship together? How do we promote an atmosphere where the rich and the poor can be in the same room praising the same God without one looking up at another uh, in, in, in intimidation and one looking down at another and discuss how can we promote an atmosphere where the gay and the straight can, can worship together? How can we promote an atmosphere where the black, the white, the Asian, the Latino, and all other nationalities can come into the same room and not be so consumed with our differences that we miss the word even as it is going across the pulpit? How do we promote uh, and, and execute a plan that, that is uh, that unifies us instead of divides us and, and promotes a unity that extends beyond a Sunday, extends beyond a sanctuary, but extends into all of our lives. This is how. We do not judge. We do not condemn. We pardon. We give. And we set a standard that exceeds our comfort level, that we might show the love of Christ everywhere we go. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.